and welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. Yep, and we will be yurping and ooh-ooing because those are the official Philly greetings as we welcome one of our city's most legendary to the show. He will take up this whole show because he has won hip-hop its first Grammy. He has put Philly hip-hop and DJing on the world stage. Half of a groundbreaking hip-hop duel to not only break music records, but also the first to take over our television screens. And there's so much more, and I haven't even said his name yet. Jazzy Jeff joins Love & in a few. But first, a round of Philly Faves and Justin, what we doing? Your favorite hip-hop concert, because we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. I'm going to say The Roots Picnic. I love that concert series festival every year. It doesn't have to be a 50th anniversary. It's just going to be amazing. The fact that it's a two-day concert festival with all of your favorite artists. So mine's The Roots Picnic. Where you're often on the podcast stage. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, you got me with the hip hop. I shoot so many shows. The first one that popped in my head was a throwback of seeing Q-Tip do a show at the Trocadero, but that's too uh, niche for y'all who don't know Philly like that. So wait, I'm wait, say, wait, she's, she's cheating about to, so she dropped one on the slide. What's the second? Go But ahead. I'm gonna just do another like legendary concert that comes to Philly every year. Shout outs to Powerhouse. It's just an amazing show that most of Philly knows to come out to before there was a made in America or any of those other things. So that's, right. that's a good one. That's a good one. Mine Justin. is Meek Mill. Oh, oh. <laughs> didn't expect that one, did you? I didn't. After he got out of prison, which was such a dramatic, you know, the helicopter and to have him as like the soundtrack. It, you just said it, I think, last week for something mm-hmm. we were talking about with hip hop. Dreams and Nightmares is oh, yeah. a Philadelphia theme. You oh, know? yeah. So it's just like so ingrained now in our culture. We know the Rocky theme, right? Play me yeah. dreams and nightmares. No, no, I you tease you all the time. That's a great selection for sure. Yes, I'm about to go to a meat meal show. You taking us? Yeah, yeah. You don't sound like you look like you're going to see us there. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll be at Roots Picnic 2024. Ooh. Ooh. I made that up, y'all. Don't tell nobody. Okay, I have to make that up. <laughs> but I thought you said maybe. But it makes sense, though. He ain't done it yet. He ain't done it yet. You said maybe. You know, my all-time favorite, it depends on... Well, never mind. She's going to give another She's going to give another one, I Justin. was. I was. Start the show. Yes, Daniel. He needs no introduction. He is magnificent. And somehow we all need to thank him for the ways he has continued to touch our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, Jazzy Jeff. I was like, who the hell is she talking about? <laughs> you! You Aquarius? <laughs> Welcome to Love and Grit. That's right. I love it. Do you spend most of your time in Philly? I spend all of my time in Philly. <laughs> really? I didn't realize you're still living around. I've never left. We all never leave in some way, but there's also like... No, I'm very boldly saying I never left. I, I only commuted. Amazing. <laughs> so listen, it is the 50th anniversary of hip hop and you had a legendary evening. Yes, yes, yes. The Grammys, the day that the most hip hop artists ever took the stage and artists who would have never even been invited were on the stage. Jeff, tell us about it from rehearsals to the day. That was probably the biggest hip hop family reunion I've ever been to. What I will tell you, just kind of behind the scenes, it was a family reunion. And you know, brothers and sisters and cousins fight. Whoa, at a family (laughs) reunion, you got the drunk uncle that we all love, but we only need to see him every four years. When you start telling us who's who. 
Can you nope. start telling us that? Nope, 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 nope. You know, there were people that I hadn't been in the room with for 25 years, and there were people all together that, not to be the Debbie Downer, but we may never, ever be in this room again. Mm. And I really wanted to kind of make sure that everyone knew that to kind of be in the moment. Like, yo, we don't know. We never thought hip-hop was going to get here to 50 years. We've lost some for multiple reasons. And... I got to give thanks to the Grammys for providing the platform to get us all in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can really tell that for Run DMC and LL Cool J and Flav and Chuck and Salt and Pepper and myself and Rakim just sitting around for hours talking, we've never done that mm-hmm. because no one ever put that tour together. I mean, I've been on a bunch of tours with every mm-hmm. last one of them, mm-hmm. but not that one tour together. And when you do tours like that, that's when you get a chance to spend the most time with these artists. So for this to be a show, thank God we had pretty much three days of rehearsals. So we all kind of got a chance to kind of sit and talk, being able to kind of tell somebody like LL how much I appreciate what he's done with Rock the Bells and just taking over that platform. We did a lot of talking about it is really wild that we're in the driver's seat now for somebody like L running that platform and you guys would, you know, with Amir and podcast and the roots being on the tonight show, it's kind of like, wow, we are really the elder statesmen. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of how we took the gauntlet and is moving forward. And we never got a chance to really say that, you know, I never really or celebrate it or celebrate yeah. it. talking to run DMC, you know, run DMC were pretty much the first big tour we went on and they've really kind of broke me and Will in on the road. So to kind of talk to them about that, it was really cool because there was a section in the show that runs ad libs wasn't in there. And I found his ad libs and I actually cut his ad libs in and you saw his face light up that it was kind of like, that's my job. My job is to fill in the blanks. Jam Master J, rest in peace, used to fill in those blanks. I got you. And to be able to go to him and tell him like, yo, you don't have to worry about it. I got you. I got you. So it was so many of those moments. I thought it was brilliant that you only had eight minutes for folks to be on stage. But that wall was so many names. Oh, man. Let's talk about this Quest Love Challenge. That was a Quest Love Challenge, Jeff. That was brilliant. How did folks even navigate that? What was that process like with so many people that have contributed, you know, to this history? You know what's funny? I got to give all the credit in the world to Amir Quest Mm -hmm. Love for putting that together. That was a lot. Mm -hmm. It was a lot to manage. And we really did it in sections. There was behind the scenes, we know was act one, act two, and act three. And that's how we kind of broke it up. That's how we rehearsed. And it was really cool being on stage, watching the crowd, because you never knew. You didn't know where people were coming from. So to watch Run DMC, when L came out and L was in the circle, to watch that beat of people look. And it's like, I hear him, but I don't see him. And then they have to turn completely around and realize he's right there. And then to throw it back to the stage to watch that was just amazing. I talked to Quest and he said there was a few things that happened in the show that wasn't even supposed to happen, right? Like y'all had last minute changes. There's a beautiful Philly moment of having Jeff, The Roots and Lil Uzi Vert and drama. However, 
However, Uzi wasn't supposed to do it. I don't know what the situation was. I don't know if it's label or somebody was telling him not to do it. And I may have really asked drama, like, yo, can you ask him to come on stage? And I really think that that moment was so powerful. It was to him. That he had no choice but to come on stage. Now, understand, we didn't see him. Where Amir and I were, we didn't know. That's what he said. He said he didn't know he was on stage. It's funny. Amir had his in-ears in, and he's talking to everybody. And at the end, L was supposed to make a speech. And L started and stopped. And Amir, like I'm looking at Amir almost screaming in the ear like, L, talk, L, L. Because he didn't realize that L backed up to let Uzi come out and take that Uh, moment. That's why L did the speech after everything was over. So it wasn't supposed to happen like that, but I'm glad it happened like that. Man. Also with Lady B's name being in the background like five times. Pow, 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 pow. What was it like, Lady? It was like pow, pow, pow. Lady B, Lady B. Pow, pow, pow. Love to see Lady B get that. You've had an amazing couple weeks, Jeff. Take me to the field after the (laughs) NFC championship (laughs) and you're there with the MVP and he wants to do (laughs) your handshake. I didn't. So our quarterback going to the Super Bowl. The funny thing, I have been to two Super Bowls. I had never been to an Eagles game before this year. What? Ever. I kind of got a reason. I am a die hard sports fan. I am the read the stats. I am the know the history. I used to have season tickets to the Sixers and I sat where my seats were and then Will got courtside seats. I absolutely hated those seats because as a die hard fan, people are looking at you in them seats. Yeah. And I'm too much of a fan for you to look at me. I might have spit coming out my mouth and throwing something and and I'm saying something. Oh man, nonstop. So there are times that I had those courtside seats that I opted to stay home and watch the game. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why. That's not an excuse, though, Jeff, because you went to the Sixers game. You said you went. Okay. You said you went. I, I wasn't well, going to so bring it up. Let me, let me finish. Transition and segue out of that. Yeah, let's go. He had a so, publicist next to but, him giving him speaking points. What ended up happening was I told Charlie I hadn't gone to the Eagles game. Charlie was like, listen, we're going to the Cowboys game. It was at home. Charlie Mack for us. Um, oh, yeah. Charlie it's Mack. Only once. Yeah. Charlie Mack is the mayor of Philly. Because yes, when I tell you, I got the full Charlie Mack experience. Charlie picked me up from the house. Charlie drove. We started driving down. It's all this traffic. I don't know how Charlie excused everybody <laughs> around the traffic. We ended up going to a spot that was blocked off by cops. Charlie mumbled something. The cops <laughs> went through. We ended up going to the backstage where they had dogs and metal detectors. Charlie said, I'm here with such and such. They opened the door, let us park. We walked back and walked in with Jerry Jones. Uh, and so understand, I didn't open my mouth. I hadn't opened my no, mouth. No, that would have been dangerous. It's, but it's Jerry Jones and Jazzy Jeff. You don't get it. Go ahead, though. But I don't understand how we got there. Like, I'm looking at Charlie like, he's amazing. And we get there, we go to the seat, we watch the game, we're eating, we're drinking. The Eagles win, they come and get us, and they walk us into the locker room. So all of this, I'm just sitting there like, okay, I'm not opening my mouth, I'm being cool. And I'm like, okay, that says the Eagles locker room, we go in, AJ Brown comes up and shakes my hand, 
and Nick Sirianni walks up to me and does the handshake. Oh, yeah. Nick Sirianni starts breaking down. He's like, listen, I am the biggest Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan. When I tell you, he's like, I know every episode. And I'm just sitting there like, whoa. Then Jalen comes out. Jalen does the handshake. Miles Sanders does the handshake. And I'm tripping. I'm just in here. Jason Kels comes up to me. I'm just like, I might have said five words because I'm still not believable. (laughs) Understand, that was the first game. So when they asked us to do halftime, now I got a different perspective. Now I'm bringing my wife. I'm bringing oh yeah, yes, all the kids, everybody. I want to go on the field. They're warming up. People, players are coming over, dapping me up. My kids are looking at me like what? (laughs) So I'm soaking all of this in. (laughs) Halftime was great. First of all, what was funny is they gave me a certain amount of time, and the NFL don't really care because this was a national championship game. We were about three songs away from being done, and I saw the kicker warming up. And somebody came on stage and was like, listen, when that clock hits four, they're going to cut you off. So I had to skip a couple of songs just to kind of get to the end, because as sure as you're born, when it hit four, everything cut off, and they wheeled us off the stage. (laughs) But then we go back to the booth. We get a chance to see them win. I'm super excited. Now, I think that we're going down and going in the restaurant because I kind of want some ice cream. And we go downstairs and it's this long line of people. I don't know what's going on. And they hand me a wristband. Next thing you know, the line starts going out to the field. And then it hits me and I said, wait a minute, this is the NFC Championship game. We're going on the field to celebrate? I was like, what is this? So we go on the field. We're on the field with everybody else. Confetti coming down. Mr. Philadelphia, Charlie is like, I'm going to find coach. And he calls me over. Coach is there with his brothers. They come over. I take a picture with coach and his brothers. Coach do the handshake again. We saw Jalen. Jalen immediately walked up to do the handshake and we did it. I didn't realize that it was cameras or anything behind me. That was so much Uh, of an organic moment. Yeah, no, you can tell it was super organic. And I think that's one of the reasons it went viral too, because like you could feel the emotion. And with just you, him and Charlie, it was just like, yeah. 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 That might've been my greatest Philadelphia sports moment. Okay, you redeemed yourself. Listen, if you don't go, when you go, you gotta make it count. That whole story just got me all kind of sad. What a story. Can I ask you a question that goes back to our original conversation with the anniversary of hip hop, the 50th anniversary? What would you say, how has music changed from the 90s to where we are today and what it looks like? Obviously, you and so many of the people you've named have paved a way with the music scene and television and not being put in any type of one box, and especially as a DJ and an artist, period. So how would you say it's changed? To me, the biggest change in the music industry is also, to me, the biggest change in the world, which is social media. It is instant access, which breeds instant gratification. It breeds a lot of different stuff. There's a good and a bad to everything. It is very hard to surprise people now Mm -hmm. because everybody is wanting to be the surprise breaker. Me realizing Kevin Durant got traded, you find out on social media 
before you find out from the news. You know, it's so funny you say that because I used to be on TV and I I said to people, I used to say stuff at six o'clock in the morning or if I was on at six o'clock at night and it was the first time people were hearing it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now that's never the case. It's really the whole digital shift is changing yeah. the entire economy, which yeah. it looked like music was going to, you know, the whole Napster age. and But it's really like social music media. industry has led the way and done it beautifully. And I think... It's getting more juice than ever before. To me, the negative side of it is we would have albums and we would live with that album for six months. That would be our favorite album. And right now, you pretty much got six days. Mm. And I needed to realize from my own perspective that when Kendrick's album came out, I played Kendrick's album all day, every day for six days. Mm -hmm. And then I went to something else. And I didn't realize what I was doing and what happened maybe about two months later, I heard something that was on Kendrick's album that you had. And I said, oh, my God, wait a minute. I forgot. I burned that album out and didn't go back. And then I went back and it was fresh and new. But you almost think, okay, Kendrick's album came out. And what happened is the masses gravitate to it for two weeks. The fans keep it. Mm-hmm. Because you kind of think that Kendrick's album died out until I went to the show and saw 25,000 people singing every word mm-hmm. where we were used to getting that three, four month run in everybody's face. That run has now turned into two weeks and you kind of think, oh, man, people are not rocking with me no more. And the two weeks to me is for the general public. The rest of the time is for your fans. Because a true fan keeps it and holds it. I look at what I got on my Spotify playlist that I keep going back to, and I love it. Yeah, like I want to, I want to dive into the music. I want to get into everything, the song, the structure, all of it. And I need time to do that. And I can't mm-hmm. do that with ten albums at the same time, and then to find out that it's a hundred thousand songs released a day. What advice would you give to like an up and coming artist as far as their marketing and how to keep people Mm -hmm. engaged? I'm assuming you'd say social media, making sure you have a presence, but what other marketing advice based on what you've experienced? Because you still do it. That's hard. I'm giving advice that I would have gave 20 years ago and it doesn't apply. Mm -hmm. I talk to my son all day, every day, because that's his space. That's his world. He navigates. He is the one that's like, Pop, you need to put this out here. You need to do this here because he's got more of a grip on it than I do. You know, Amir has millions of streams. That's true. His music. Yes. It's funny because he's got millions of streams of just his fans. I'm sitting there like, so you not trying to get it to everybody? And he's like, no, Pop, I'm I'm giving it to my fans. Because they faithful and they're going to be there. That's the whole thing. We are so consumed with this numbers game. (laughs) Oh, yes. What what I want is I want my authentic numbers. Yes. I got a million point three followers on Instagram. I don't have a million point three people that rock with me. I got people that were like, you know what? That's the guy from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I think I'm a follow. And I understand that. But if out of that, 15% of them are diehard fans, that's who you target. That's the advice, Jeff. You just gave it. I was was just about to say, whomever is engaging with you the most and doesn't have to be face-to-face, yes. When I used to do a lot of the events with Red Bull 3 Style, they bought a social media strategist in. 
Mm. And it was wild because we were all sitting at the table and he said, show me how you look at Instagram. So I grabbed my phone and I started scrolling and I got to the point, if I saw Quest Love's post, I just clicked the heart and kept moving and click. Everybody did that. He said, you never read any of those posts. Why did you like them? Mm. I said, because that's my friend. He said, understand, that's what everybody does. Ooh. He said, the engagement comes when you realize that somebody has read your post yeah. and commented back based off of what you wrote. That's real life engagement. We all do the homeboy hookup that I got to like my man's post or my girl's post because I see it. But we are consuming stuff so fast and it's not a diss. We don't take time to read stuff. We don't take time to engage, but you have people that'll tell you, make sure your stories are short mm -hmm. or write the stories you want to write for the people who engage with you. Yeah. That's what Quest do. He write them long ass stories. And, and you, you know what? And the yeah. people who engage with him, read them and you yep. understand them, you like them. So it's yeah. kind of like, it's, it's kind of two-sided. Who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for the masses or are you doing it for your fans? Because if you're doing it for your fans, be your true authentic self. That remind me of, what's the playlist record? That famous Jeff quote where he's like, give it all out now because when you die, you don't yeah. want to have anything left. You want to leave this earth empty. It's like my favorite, die empty. Die empty. Oh, die. my favorite Talk Jeff about quote. that. Because that's like not a thing right now. No, no. Todd Henry, who is the author of the book, Die Empty, I invited him to the retreat and he gave a talk and it was wild because he opened his talk and he said, what is the most expensive land in the world? And everybody was just throwing out stuff, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, London, such and such. And he said, it's the graveyard. And everybody paused and he said, cause that's where most people take their ideas. Wow. And I walked out. I had to walk out. I was like, yo, you just blew my mind with that one. But that's where I got it from. And I realized as logical as that is, I wasn't taking my own advice. I still don't. I still don't. I still don't. The amount of music that I have done just sitting there that I'm waiting for Easter Sunday to put out, I should be ashamed of myself. I'm looking at my son to be the one. Like, I'm like, I need you to curate my stuff and tell me what to put out. You I'm have to get a lot of credit for that because you are saying you're taking the next generation and allowing them. But so many people are not doing that no. while they're still pushing down and holding control and yep. power where you're empowering and keeping yourself still in power. You have to. I like talking to people who put out music and have had a level of success of putting out music today. Eric Robeson is one of my main mm. guys. Eric Robeson has been independent his whole career. And he said during the pandemic, you know, myself, Eric Robeson and Kylie Tatham did a song called Cancel 2020 that we put out. We did a lyric video. I made some music, sent it to Eric. It just so happened to be the day that Chaswick Bozeman passed away. Eric kind of put it in. It was a beautiful song. This is when we were all stuck in the house. But Eric said something to me recently. He was like, that song started to gain traction. Like we had scheduled, we're going to put this song out and then put this song out and put this song out. And he said, when that song started to gain traction, what we were supposed to do is stop everything we were doing and focus on that on song. song yeah but get the schedule and we didn't do it 
So it's just really a lot of times getting those nuggets from different people and just putting them in a pot. And it's funny because I had this conversation with Amir this morning. I was like, so I'm going to release something every month. He's like, Pop, you got too much music to do every month. You need to just put it out. He's like, if you release something every month, you're going to be releasing something for the next 35 years. That's true. That's only 12 records. He's like, no, no. You need to put put out a project and then put out another project. Going back to the Grammys... I feel like the Grammys, how can I put this without being wrong? The Grammys was an old girlfriend that I didn't know if I still liked. Understood. And I saw and I saw her and we were cool, but I was like, I'm over you. I can move on now. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> because you have to understand that a lot of artists, especially hip hop artists, we're abused children. We've been abused by the industry. Mm-hmm. Our abuser invited us to dinner and we, the only reason we all came was because we did it for us. We understand. We We were, we were kind of safe together, but it was kind of like the first thing that Laia said, it was a bunch of people on that stage that would have never been on that stage. So. And won't be invited back. And won't be invited back. And that was the thing. When Amir first called me and told me what he was doing, I said, listen, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. What you need to pass on to everybody is that we won't be here for the 100th and nobody cares about the 51st. Mm. I said, you need to say that to people to make people get out of their own way and realize this isn't about you. This is about hip hop. This was a hip hop celebration. There's no way in the world you would have got Run DMC to come out there to say eight lines. And they did that for hip hop. We all took a back seat. Most of us took a back seat. <laughs> Some <laughs> people left early. <laughs> took a back seat because it was about hip hop. What I realized, just like in life, us trying to get people to go out and vote because we understand what your vote means in the community and people that are just kind of like, I don't do that. That's what we are getting in hip hop now. Not everybody cared about it being the 50th anniversary of hip hop because there were some people that just like in life, we didn't go through the trials and tribulations of voting rights. We didn't go through things that our grandmothers and grandfathers had to go through to be able to vote. Some people just see Dolores Tucker. You didn't. Some people was just kind of like, hey, man, I grew up and I was able to do everything I'm doing now. And Obama was president. There you go. There were people that were like, hey, man, hip hop has been here ever since I've been here. But you don't pay attention to the people that were around when they were telling us this was going to end. And we fought to keep it here. So I'm sitting there like, wow, this is crazy. I am really the elder statesman in the room because the level of appreciation I have to make it to 50 years, somebody who was born in 1990 don't necessarily have that. And that's not a knock. That's just reality of where you came up. I didn't suffer through segregation. Right. You know, somebody did it for you. My mom did. Right. So it's kind of the same thing. But we just have to remember to continue to tell the stories, though. Don't lose the history. That's the part. That's that's the part. That is it. Right. Well, that's why it was important to do it. Yep. Right. We thank you as fans of the music and the culture and a part of the culture. I touched my heart right there. Like we're all, you know, in that type of struggle in some way. And I also think that 
in order to get that generation to understand, you can't beat them down. No. What I will say is the older generation has a habit of demeaning the younger generation about their stance. And what I've realized is, let me tell you, when Will and I first started, we on stage were cooling the gang and they got a full band and they're singing celebration. They wheel a table out with two turntables, a mixer, Will grabs a microphone and we tell everybody to throw your hands in the air and say ho and blow them completely off the stage. And they're like, what is this mess they're doing? And I'd use cooling again. It wasn't a cool. perfect example, but it's a right. perfect but example. Yeah, if you think yeah. about summer but madness the, and but the respect that I have yeah. for those elder statesmen goes yeah. out the window as soon as you diss what I'm doing. Ah, so now me yeah. being an elder statesman, I can't tell some of these guys that I don't like your music. It's not real lyrics. It's not that if I feel that I keep that to myself. But it's my job to encourage them to keep the culture going and pushing it forward. And that's where I think the disconnect comes in because so many people are, ah, oh, man, that mumble rap, this is trash, this is this. Hey, man, there's a lot of stuff that I don't like that I keep to myself. Like, you're mm -hmm. never going to win somebody over by criticizing them. Mm -hmm. No, the negativity Ever. is not needed. The positivity no. lifts people up. That's it. Well, it yeah. seemed like from the look of Lil Uzi's face that he appreciated all those bridges. I think it's dope that it's, it's the, the in-between for me. It's yeah. like you, drama, Uzi. Yes. Like yes. that right there. Is That's that's it for that's me. That's generation. Yes! That's generations. And I love that because it's Philly. Yeah. Can I be nosy for a second? Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned a retreat. What retreat were you referring to? Uh, I please. do a creative retreat at my home. I did it for five years called the Playlist Retreat. And it's basically inviting creatives. It was inviting DJs and inviting singers and songwriters and rappers and producers to a retreat that is really about us. It's not about anybody else. We are the ones that give joy to everybody in the world. Who gives joy to us? Listen, this is not for managers or anybody else. Posse. No posse, Rachel. And all of the tools and things that creatives need we fill up everybody's gas tank and who fills up ours. That's really and special. It was designed to fill special. ours up. And it's really um, special. I shouldn't have been there. I snuck there. Yes, Jeff allowed me like that's what you do. But before a layman, because y'all know I'm regular, like we all regular around Look, here. Look, you so. got you've gotten us into plenty of places, so but to, I'm not judging. But to sit there and witness and see other people like Maceo from De La So and whatnot, yeah. and say things like, I've never experienced this. A lot of us have been on retreats, right? Rappers ain't been on no retreats. Producers yeah. ain't been on no retreats. Yeah. So he was in a space of I've never been able to experience my brothers and sisters in a protected space like this without no managers, no posse. I'm just walking down the street. Jeff has RVs on his property where people can sleep if they want to. It's food there. You don't even need to leave. It is just beautiful. So I'm saying all this to say, Jeff, people need this. I hope that you're bringing it back. <laughs> Let me tell you, the pandemic, as bad as it was, it was the much needed break I needed. We almost lost you. But that kind of puts you in a place that puts you in yeah. a place. You got to be a little bit more aware that you are not invincible. That really actually helped me with the 50th anniversary. I've learned to be a lot more present in okay. the things no. that I do. Everywhere that I go, I am present. I pay attention to the surroundings. I soak it all in. I was doing 100 
and 60 dates a year and 120 mm-hmm. of them were international and it almost became a thing that I land, I go and do a show and I leave. It became a job. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, yo, like I've gone places that I could have never imagined and I really need to soak up the energy in all of these places because it was crazy to sit during the pandemic and say, I may never go back to Thailand again. I may never go back to Hong Kong again. And these are places that I've been going for 20 years. I have friends there. I know my way around there. That is kind of like, yo, you really took that for granted that something in the world can happen and everything can change. So now I'm just a little bit more like every day I am paying closer and closer attention to my surroundings. You know, like I said, you don't like to think about it, but you really need to think about it. You want to give your flowers out, man. Stop giving people flowers when they're gone. Let think about that now, Justin. Start giving Laya more compliments. What? Because oh, I'm the oldest? Is that a joke? Is that- no, because Justin always gives us a hard time. So I told Justin to start. Oh, I have got to be the brother. Appreciate the time that you have. With oh, that's true. That's true. Oh, why? Every day. <laughs> Every day. Love you, Jeff. So I just want to remind everybody, Jazzy Jeff dropped a few names in this conversation. These folks have been guests on Love and Grit. Some really great names like Charlie Mack. Did you hear that Questlove interview? The only other person to get a full episode, right, y'all? Full episode, exactly. A lot of good ones to listen to and follow us on social at Love Grit Philly. And if you have a second, rate and review us. Rachel only likes excellent reviews. Yes, she's kind of sensitive. And I don't care what happened with the big game. E-A-G-L-E-S. Forever. Tell them. Tell them.